everybody, this is Eric from EFP. We're doing episode 26 today on a Friday. And I want to talk about magic. Magic in games, magic in tabletop. Magic is everything. Well, in certain games. I mean, if you're running a high magic setting, then this is for you. This, this podcast, this episode is going to be to help you as a player and a GM guide your way through the magical pool uh, that you're getting ready to dive into. A lot of things have changed up in 5e, but I, I want to touch on not so much mechanics and all of the different systems that we play, but actually touch on how to make magic feel right for the setting you are playing in. So here's the ground rules of things we're going to talk about today. What is magic? How to ground it? Gods? Vancium, Vancian magic versus freeform? How to run it? And how to play it? I did some light notes on this because I have a lot of thoughts on magic and I started writing them down and realized that it was just way too long. So instead of going on script, I'm going to go off script and just freeform this for you guys. Let's get into the show. So what in the hell is magic? Depending on your setting, from fantasy to sci-fi, magic varies just hugely over campaign settings and systems and the way that magic functions. If you look at something like 5e, where every spell that you memorize in Pavancian-style magic has a different save based on one of your core stats, it gets a little complicated sometimes without cheap cards notes and all the things that they put out to uses gamer aids and then you play something like dresden files from fate and it has this more free flow feeling to it where you're kind of piecing things together or even the mage game second edition or first edition from white wolf also did the same thing where you felt like you had more flexibility but because of that sometimes you got lost in what you wanted to do but when i say what is magic in this scenario what i am asking is what is magic about in the setting that you are running with your players or playing in. There's a difference. Let's take a classic D&D Greyhawk. Magic is low to high with the original group of Tensor and Mordekainen who are making all these different spells, all the name spells that we remember. And there's this higher echelon of magic with you know, clones and prismatic and rays that kill you and disintegrate you really high-end stuff is talked about and you play in the lower levels up through and you hope to get to that grand level at some point but then you have things like Spelljammer another D&D setting where you're flying through space on ships that look like naval crafts or warped and twisted into mind flayer looking creations magic is how they fly Eberron was the same way except totally different magic is a part of culture in everyday life People had wands, like regular civilians had wands, had one to two charges. People were dragon marked that had magic in it. It was important. And if you take it outside of that and go into things like science fiction, you have things like Shadowrun, where magic has become more and more prominent in this transhumanism science fiction setting about cybernetics and altering your mind and diving into the matrix where magic is now important if people are adepts or shamanistic worship totems or have a certain philosophy about magic and it's become very power powerful in Shadowrun so 
Magic is different in everything. You need to take and look at your set setting that you're running in and look at how that magic is portrayed and used within the setting you are running or playing in. So let's take, for example, something we all, I think all of us probably know, Forgotten Realms. Magic is low end to high end. You know, it, it destroyed the world. Um, there's Red Wizards of the Fae, which are very powerful evocationists. Magic is about you, but it is not everything. Instead, it's kind of about that magical item game and the magical items that you get. And magic is in those things that you seek after to make yourself more powerful. And that stuff's great. But if you play in something that's more like swords and sorcery, let's say Conan the Barbarian, magic is mystical and not understood. And these are things that people look at and go, hmm, I don't know if I can if I can be a magician in this. Well, you can, but it's about the mysticism. Things along those lines are modern games. It's about the mysticism and the things that you can do that people don't understand in the occult. 07, a game that I just worked on with Storm Bunny Studios and with Chasonia in them, it's all about the weird and the odd and the things that can happen and those creepy things that are between the headlines and newspapers. So make sure that the magic you're running and using fits the setting that you are a part of. Nothing crazy. Just do little due diligence and homework. So that's my what is magic speech. It's nothing huge. It's just look at it. Look at the style. Is it an everyday thing? Is it a sometimes thing? Is it something that, you know, every civilian that walks down the street has? You need to make these notes to realize how much of it you're going to need to use and how much of the rules you're going to need to understand. Flavoring magic in the way that they write it helps bring that setting to life if magic is a part of it in a high scale or in a small scale. Let's move on to the next thing. How do you ground it? So, grounding your magic. And I talked about it a little bit in the last section. I'm sorry if the music was still playing. Don't know why Anchor is doing that. But grounding your magic is something that is a little harder. You have to understand at its roots where magic comes from. And are you getting it from an outside source, like an occultist? Are you studying magic, memorizing them like wizards in, in Dungeons & Dragons? Um, is it coming from a, a god itself? Maybe your magic is all divinity and channeled through prayer or favoritism. Maybe it's mathematical. Does your world do math and, and magic together, like a science version of it? Is psionics your magic in your game? You need to find out where these things are grounded so that when you are using magic in your setting, you're not going outside the boundaries of believability for the setting you are in. So we're all playing in a world that we've built a box that we play inside of. It's a big box, but when you get too far outside too often, uh, it feels like you're overpowering it just because you want to as a player or a GM. But living within the boundaries is what makes it feel like that setting. You're not going to go into Conan and be a wizard from Mage the Ascension, just whipping spells together and flinging things constantly. And you're not going to play in Spelljammer, but uh, not believe that magic is real because you see it every day. You know it's there. You can believe it's technology, but you know magic's involved. Playing that person who doesn't believe in it, there has to be a really good reason. It needs to be grounded. Maybe you've been brainwashed and you don't, and that grounds it. You believe everything that you see is a deity that's doing it. Because of belief, whatever you do, it needs to be grounded and make sense as a player or a GM. 
if you're using monsters that have really high magical fucking capabilities, it needs to make sense. You don't want a goblin running around at, you know, if everyone's really low power, flinging, you know, power word kill or flinging fireballs at nuke cities on fire, unless it's grounded. Maybe it's narratively grounded. Maybe it is grounded because it's an illusion and it's not real. You have to take the magic that you use in your game and make sure that it makes sense, that it's not over the top, that it is something that is believable and plausible within the box that you've all decided to play in, which is the setting or campaign that you guys agreed upon. What else do I mean by grounded? Well, let's take it from a GM's perspective, because that's where most of my time comes from. Uh, in Magic and Monsters, the Marks of Men, my new setting for 5e, it is a high magic setting, but with rules. Each court is a school of magic. Certain spells from the schools of magic are not allowed to be casted by other courts. They're considered owned by that court, like a recipe or a copyright. So people are not doing teleportation unless they're from that school. They go pay that person, that court, to do it for them or to build a circle for them. It is a trade agreement. Humans from those all get spells equal to their 5th edition ability to cast. And because of this, they don't uh, they don't get to decide that suddenly they're casting a bunch of necromancy spells if they're an evocationist. There has to be a reason, a wand, a scroll, schooling from that court. Something that is plausible. So that's kind of what I mean by grounded on the GM side. And you take it from the player's side, same thing. If I'm a fighter that has magic, there needs to be a reason, especially if it's a world where that is uncommon. Or if you're playing a paladin, but there's no deities in the world, you might want to think about where your magical abilities are coming from. Are they skills? Is it unknown to you? Is it a book that you've studied? These are things that you need to ground your character, ground what you're making. And speaking of gods, how the hell do you handle that in a magic setting? Well, let's talk about it. So, I have been talking a lot about Vancean magic versus like a freeform magic. I really want to change up 5e in my 5th edition setting, um, Magic and Monsters. I, I don't want it to be, I have a spell book, I memorize it, and, you know, I only get so many slots a day. We've seen that forever. And the first time we really saw a change on that in D&D in particular is 3.0 when Sorcerers came around. That really changed the dynamic. You were still memorizing, but you had... Less spells you could cast, but more times you could cast them. I really want to break it down to the core schools for 5e and make it plausible to shape your spells within your school. So you'll have a list of spells that come with it, or I should say types of magic you can do, and you can flex that rolling and maybe having a mana pool or some form of drain on you for doing so. There are systems that do this in a way for example, if you've played the Age system or Dragon Age itself, you have mana points, just like you did in the video game. And you burn through those mana points to do stuff, and you can power it with more to, in terms we all know, extend, enlarge, or make more damage for your spells. And I like this. It allows you to shape it cost. And I want that. I think I'm tired of fancy and magic. I'm tired of memorizing my spells. I have players in my group that were playing a high magic setting, and no one's a wizard, because nobody wants to have to memorize anything. They don't like the idea of, what if I didn't memorize the right thing? But I think the idea of, well, I need to cast this. How hard is it to do? That might be a better way to do it. Pathfinder tried doing it with, uh, I think it was word magic. And it was odd because you can 
add effects together to get things. And in theory, it was good, but in playtesting it, it was complex because it did not fit with the system well enough. So maybe if everybody used it, that can make a difference. But when only one person in a group is using it, it doesn't work. And people are always afraid of learning new magic in any system. It is already difficult, and they think it's going to be more fucking time-consuming. So where does Vancey magic come from? That's a good question. Um, I know the idea of memorizing spells. There's some stuff that relates back to Merlin. And I know that the Vancean word, if I look up the definition, I could tell you. But I didn't, because I am doing this freeform. Instead, the idea, the mechanics that has been given to Vancean magic in our tabletop RPGs is memorization and memorizing them during the day and only being able to cast those spells that you committed to your memory, like the end of a recipe. And every edition has explained it differently. And things like rituals have made it better, but I just don't want to do it anymore. I want, <laughs> I want Avatar, The Last Airbender. I want to have an element that I can use and cast and bend that element to be offensive, defensive, or some form of utilitarian-style spell. Flying if it's air, or gliding better, those kind of things. I thought about doing it for Cypher System, because that is a game where you get powers and you just relabel them to do whatever you want. You could have, you know, Onslaught, but maybe for you it's ice, for them it's fire, so on and so forth. And that sounds good, but then you have to make sets for people, because people aren't always the best at having that extra creative juice to create. So if anyone has thoughts on how to do a good freeform magic, let me know. I remember Ari Salvatore had a book that he did, not the Drift Saga, but you held stones, and those stones, you could channel the magic out of them. They fell from the sky, if I remember correctly. And you could hold multiple. I think the main character could use two or three of them at once and do things. And it was really powerful. The stones were powerful. And that was a really different way to handle magic. He obviously had the same thoughts I'm having right now, where he was bored with the Vancian style. So if you know me well enough, I like that stuff. And in my world of Fontia, it's a soul punk Victorian horror setting. I really wanted magic to be different in that. So I've been working on a way to make that function and the way I see it between the true faith and the idea of magic being powered by souls and spirits, almost like bargaining chips. If you know a spell system you really love that is different than D&D and you think it's clean and easy but uh, vastly creative and really open for players do and GMs do what the fuck they want, let me know. Call into the show. Anchor's free. You guys know this if you've listened. And if you haven't, download the app and there's a little call-in button when you follow me. If not, find me on social media and if you have a question, I will look through them. Just put hashtag EFP question and I'll look them up and we'll get them on the show. Let's move on though to how do we run this shit? Because I mean really, end of the day, that's what's important. for a good sci-fi setting? I know I have been, and they're hard to find. I love Starfinder, but I wanted a setting different than what we got. Take a look at Alessia's Kickstarter by Storm Bunny Studios. They put on an amazing, amazing settings over the years from Rune, which is a stormpunk Norse setting, or 07, which is a modern horror. Take a look at their Kickstarter and what they have to offer. I think you're going to be surprised at the art quality alone not even diving into what the game is about. 
So go find Alessia on Kickstarter or on Storm Bunny Studios' homepage. I think you're going to like it. So let's talk about how to run it and how to play it. Running Magic to me is very system dependent, uh, but it is also very setting dependent. First, make sure you know your rules as a GM and a player for the core of how magic functions, from if there are saving throws to DCs, are there a cost to casting like health? Maybe you're playing Dark Sun, where some of the magic is very destructive, and you have to be careful as a defiler. Make sure you know these things, and make a little note card on key points you should play up as a GM, and as a player, make a cheat sheet for how magic functions. Make sure you know your DCs, if there are you know difficulties or challenge ratings that you need to know. Make sure you understand the spells you have memorized. If you're playing on roll 20, it's very easy to cut and paste those into whatever system you're playing. I mean, honestly, that's the easiest. If you're playing physically, mark your book with some note cards. Know the system and know how your shit works. Shadows of the Demon Lord has a very different style with traditions and spells that fall under them. And you need to read and understand them. And once you get your head wrapped around them, it's amazing. Also, some of the most twisted spells in a game. And then... Look at it from the setting perspective. Take all the material that you have in front of you as a player or a GM and look at it as if you were looking through a screen of the setting. If you're playing Forgotten Realms, think about the cultures, the races, the people, and how the magic is evolved around them. If you're playing Starfinder and there's some form of magic that you're doing, maybe you're a navigator and you read the stars through a religious magical way, Screen all that. Maybe even kind of rename your spells and have some descriptive fluff of your own for what they look like when you cast them. Those are going to make it feel personal and setting-specific. That stuff matters. If you're a Red Wizard of Fae, talk about your gestures in Forgotten Realms and how you cast Fireball versus someone else. Maybe your fireballs are hand motions and you blow them out of your mouth or... Maybe your hand itself, when you do shocking grasp, your fingernails peel back and energy pours out. Have a way that is specific. The same way that every artist draws differently, their line weight is different, the way you cast your magic and spells and what you think about magic in the setting should be individualized. This will make you feel special as a player and will make the NPCs feel special as the GM. I love playing wizards and casters because I can get into how I use them. Not only the creative ways of using a spell outside the box, if your GM is flexible on how you use it. I mean, we all used to try to light grease on fire, right? Sometimes it was okay, sometimes it's not. Talk to your GM about those combinations so you don't feel like you're going to get snuffed when you do them. And if you're a GM and your player's being creative with a spell... Let them do it. Maybe make them have a casting check or concentration or cost more points if there's some form of cost for what they're doing. Or if they want to spend a spell slot higher, maybe do that. I myself in the Cypher system know there's a way that you can reshape your spells, up damage, and make it do things a little outside of what it normally does. So I'm in the middle of developing a table so that you can go, oh, here's the things I can do by putting more effort into what I am doing. Think about this from both sides of the screen. How can you make magic special and individualized for the setting you are playing in? When we play modern games, I make sure that magic feels modern. You're found in old Bibles, old books, things of Latin, or demonic pages written on skin of humans that are pressed between 
you know, cold iron so that the Fae can't get it and make it have meaning. Because more meaning some things have, the more a player is going to cherish it and the more the GM has put love into what they're doing. That's not hard to do. Paperclip, note card, post-it notes, any of those things. Attach it to your character sheet. Every time you do something, write it down and write why. It doesn't need to be a lot. Just a little note. Little notes to yourself so that when you step away from the table for a week, a month, fuck a year. I have games I go back and play it a year with my buddy Drew. Make sure you know what you're getting back into. Review your character. We've talked about due diligence and commitment in another episode. And these are one of those little levels of commitment you can do to make a difference in how your character or how your GMing style plays out. A friend of mine, Alan, has a ritual before he sits down to play Shadowrun and I believe other characters where he kind of goes through everything, gets himself ready, gets himself in character. And that, that preparation makes you ready to go. For, for me, when I'm getting ready to play an online game, I make sure I have something to drink, I've used the bathroom, and I'm ready to rock and roll. So I'm not interrupting gameplay. Do the same things with magic for your characters. Make it special. Magic is something in real life we really don't see and have, short of magicians. Or if you have beliefs in it, you still don't see it every day. So make it something you care about. All right, everybody, that is it for my episode 26, and, and magic is everything. And I mean that. It's kind of why we play a lot of these games. So remember, um, I have a Patreon. You can follow me on EFP. I'm getting ready to put up a huge update for Magic and Monsters, Marks of Men, which is a 5e setting. I'll also be doing a new plotted adventure in July. Soon there will be a plotted adventure off for Shadows of the Demon Lord under Rob Schwab Entertainment, or Schwab Entertainment, called Fire's Hunger. If you don't know what a plotted adventure is, this is a three to four page plot web and maps with audio notes. Kind of take your own notes and run your adventure. The versions I put out are systemless, and the one for Rob will be obviously for Shadows of the Demon Lord. If you want to follow me anywhere else, look me up at Eric Frankhouse or EFP Online. I'm on all the social medias, but most commonly you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's it for me today. Don't forget, everybody, listen. Watch, learn, and go roll some dice. Until next week, everybody, enjoy your weekend gaming.